As we prepare to hear God's word, let's again go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, please draw us into your presence through your word this morning. Lord, we ask that you help us to hear you speak clearly to us. Lord, we ask that you work also within us. Through your spirit, open us up to hear and to receive your word, and so to be able to respond with with enthusiasm, with joy, and with gratitude. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So we are beginning a new sermon series today. We're going to spend four weeks in Romans chapter 12. As we step into this ministry year, we are going to be reflecting on on what it means to live the Christian life, what that looks like. And we certainly won't We certainly won't be able in four weeks to talk exhaustively about all of the Christian life, but Romans 12 gives us some nice entry points, some nice pictures of what the Christian life can look like, how we we fit into the patterns that the Lord has made for us and how we solve some of the puzzles of how to live in this world. So this morning, we're going to start with just two verses with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The words will be up on the screen or you're welcome to grab a pew Bible or pull up your own Bible and follow along. So now hear the word of the Lord from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. So I'm not sure if he actually said this, but Carl Sagan, a scientist, is credited with saying, if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first create the universe. If you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first create the universe. And, and his point there, and a point that I think is helpful for us as we dig into any particular part of the Bible, is that you need to have a sense of the whole picture to make sense of this bit that you are looking at right now. And so we're going we're gonna to start with that. We're going to have our first point for today be therefore in view of God's mercy. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. And we need to talk a little bit about the whole book of Romans. And there are a lot of ways that people say, if you want to think about the book of Romans, think about it in terms of this structure. What I'm going to give you right now is, I think, a good picture of the book of Romans. It's certainly not the only one. And if you disagree with me, well, that's fine. There are other options. But I think this is a good, good way for us to step into these texts in this sermon series. And Romans, and in many respects, our lives start with guilt. Start with the reality that we are far, far from God. We are broken. We are alienated. We are distant from the Lord. And we do a lot of things. We do a lot of things to try to get closer to God, to try to draw closer to Christ and get closer to the cross. But, but a lot of what we do is kind of just jumping in place, that we're so far away and everything we do really does nothing to draw us any closer to the Lord. And so what we need is We need God's grace. We need God to come to us, to come down, and to meet us at the cross as he did in Jesus Christ. And and we don't by ourselves draw near to God. God is always the one who comes to us and brings us up to be close to him. 
And this grace changes everything about our lives. It it changes us from being broken and alienated and isolated and, and in trouble, and it brings us into a place where there is hope of being whole, where we are restored, where we receive grace. And it is absolutely vital, absolutely vital as we think about the Christian life to recognize that that we have to move from guilt to grace before we step into the Christian life. And as we step into the Christian life, as we journey forward from the cross, from Jesus coming to us, then we step into a season of gratitude, a season where our Christian life can really begin because it has a good foundation. Romans 1 through 11, chapters 1 through 11, are about that guilt and grace trajectory. It begins by showing how hopeless we are, and and then it shows us how wonderful, and over and over again, the book of Romans shows us how wonderful and how amazing God's mercy is. And then we come to Romans 12, verse 1, and there there is a huge shift a shift to what it looks like to live as Christians. And that's, that's where we'll be spending some time the next few weeks. But we need to begin. We absolutely need to begin with this first point, that we are not stepping into the, into the Christian life from a vacuum, but we are stepping into the Christian life with a therefore. Therefore. And what is the therefore? Well, the therefore is in view of God's mercy. And that determines everything that comes after that. Now, I thought about, and at one point in this, uh, the development of putting together this sermon, I thought about telling a a story of my own life, a sense of here's where I was, and and here's how God worked to help me really grasp His mercy. But but instead of that, I actually instead want to ask you to put yourself in this story. And I want to suggest some different plot lines, but, but I think each of us Each of us does well to reflect on how God's mercy has come to us. So maybe maybe you've really struggled over the years with some really hard things in your life or the life of those around you, and, and you've wondered, how can a good God allow this kind of suffering and this kind of trouble in the world? How can that be? And the answer is God's mercy. God's mercy brings us from that place of questioning and trouble into his presence. Or maybe you're someone who's felt like, God is just so demanding. I can never measure up. There's always more rules. There's always more to do. How can I connect with a God who just, oh, just always wants more? And the answer is God's mercy. That God is not always demanding more. That in Jesus Christ, he has paid it all. Maybe you're somebody who just, just really has struggled with always a sense of distance from God or a sense that, that he is absent, that he, he just hasn't connected with you in the way that you'd like. And again, the answer is the cross, that in the cross, God cosmically drew near to all of us. Maybe you have some particular sin in your life and you, you bear a strong sense of guilt and you feel like you just cannot possibly cannot possibly step into the presence of a truly good being, let alone a truly good and all-powerful God. And no, you can't, but by God's mercy, you can. Or maybe there is something in your life, some pattern or, or some possession or some, some relationship or something that you feel like, this is more important. This is greater than anything else, and so I need to hold on to this, even though, 
even though, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful to have someone who loved me unconditionally and gave me mercy? Well, there is nothing greater than God's mercy. And all of us, there, there are some similarities to the story. All of us are guilty. All of us are broken. But the Lord also works with each of us in our story and, and draws us into his mercy. And so I invite you today to reflect on, on your life and the patterns and puzzles in your life and, and to think about how God has been at work to show his mercy to you. And maybe to the people around you, maybe to your family, maybe to your friends, but, but especially how has God made his mercy obvious to you. Now, for the rest of this sermon and for the rest of this series, we're, we're going to talk about how we work out that mercy, how we live in God's mercy, but, but we, have, we have to start here. And if you have not gotten this, then you cannot go on to the next step because the way to live in Christ is to go through God's mercy we do not earn and we cannot earn our way into the Christian life. We cannot be good enough. And if we are still in this pattern where we, are, where we are jumping up and down and trying to work our way to God, then we will end up angry at God and angry at other people and angry at ourselves because it is never enough. But God's mercy is always more. God's mercy is always more than all of our troubles and all of our sins. So we begin with Therefore, therefore, and hear this good news, therefore, God's mercy for you. Christ died and rose again to give you life. And we start from there, and then we, we continue in verse 1 with our second point, live as logical, spiritual sacrifices. In view of God's mercy, Romans says, live as living sacrifices. The text calls us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And it says, this is our spiritual act of worship. And the idea is that we offer all of our lives. Body there represents the entirety of who we are as, as living sacrifices. Not as, not as dead sacrifices, but as people who have truly come to life and so in an ongoing way offer to the Lord ourselves. But the word I really want to focus on is that word that the NIV translates as spiritual. This is your spiritual act of worship, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And that's a really hard word to translate. We get logical from that word. It's logiken. We get logical, you could say fitting, you could say rational, or you could say spiritual. It's a word that has a whole plethora of meanings. And different translations translate it different ways. And I think actually the NIV probably has the best way to go when it says spiritual act of worship. But I want to draw out a meaning of that word that translating it as spiritual doesn't quite get at. And here's, here's the reality. That if we have moved from guilt into God's grace, then the only logical, the only fitting, the only rational the only sensible thing to do is to respond by giving God everything. Once we truly get how much God has given us, the only thing that makes any sense is for us to turn and offer our everything back to the Lord. Now, intellectually, I think we all know that. We can do the, we can do the math. We can see the equation. Infinite love equals, equals a response. But often the math doesn't feel that way for us. 
There are other things in our lives that we feel like, if I really jump all in on following Jesus, I might have to give up this. And maybe it's your, maybe it's your Saturday afternoons off, or maybe it's your favorite TV show, or maybe it's your house, or maybe, maybe it's who knows what. But there are all these things that we feel like paying that cost just might not be worth it to really be all in with Jesus. And what Romans is trying to tell us is look at Jesus and look at how great and wonderful and amazing he is and and see how his mercy is more and see how the equation can never be balanced. And the only logical, the only sensible thing to do is for you to live your whole life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me give you a a couple just small earthly pictures of that. I've heard some stories over the years and some people in this church, some other places who who were in really hard seasons in their life. They didn't have enough money to make it work. Their, their spouse had some health problems. They, they had a leaky roof. They, they just had trouble. And they had to go to their boss and say, boss, I, I need next week off. I, I have to have next week off, but, but I also I, I can't pay my mortgage. And my wife's medical bills are coming due, and, and I need the time off, but I need the money. I don't know what to do. And there are some bosses who are less than stellar, but there are others who say, okay, get out of here. Get out of here, but, but you're going to get paid for next week. I don't care if you don't show up at all, you're going to get paid. Or, wait a minute, and they step into the back room and they come back out with an envelope full of cash, and this should take care of you. Pay it back when you can. And then when you come back a few months down the road and you finally scrimped and save everything together and you give the envelope of cash back to your boss, your boss says, what are you doing? I don't remember that. You don't owe me anything. And you know that he knows that you know, and he knows that you know that he knows that, yeah, you remember that. But it was a gift. And if you're blessed with that kind of boss, then you want to work a little extra. Then, yeah, you're willing to go that extra mile because you know that you and your family will be taken care of. Or maybe if you've been blessed with a really good coach over the years, a coach who, let's say, loves baseball, and he he really loves teaching and training, and he loves seeing his kids develop, and, and he is thrilled with them even when they strike out because they are his team and because they are doing their best. So even if they strike out, he still says, hey, great job, and we're still going to get Dairy Queen afterwards because, because we are a team. Now, hopefully in your life, you've had a boss or bosses. You've had a coach or coaches. You, you've had maybe a father like that. But many of us haven't. We've just had demanding bosses and coaches who honestly were jerks, and and that's how it is. But all of us, every single one of us has a father, a heavenly father who loves us no matter what. And we can't do anything to make him love us more. And to be honest with you, we can't do anything to make us love him, make him love us less. No matter what, we're getting Dairy Queen afterwards. And so our Heavenly Father comes to us with His mercy, and the only thing that makes any sense for us to do is to serve Him. And that is the key of the Christian life, that we are are not saying, I have to do this in order that I can get that. I have to do this. No, the Christian life, this fundamental shift that we need to make is because of God's grace, because of God's mercy, I get to do this. Because of that, I get to do this. And the equation is always that God gives us more than we give him. 
So one more point, one more verse for today. Romans 12, verse 2. And this text calls us to not conform, but to be transformed. And I, I want us to focus, to focus more on the be transformed. The, the text holds up two patterns for us. It gives us this old pattern of living in the way of the world, this pattern of, of doing whatever we want to do, we're doing whatever the culture around us is doing, whatever that may be, and, and just going with the flow. And then Romans holds up a totally different pattern. It holds up a transformed pattern. It says, but you... You who belong to Jesus, leave this aside and step into this kind of life. And this is not a transformation in our outer being and how we act. It is a transformation that begins in our deepest center and works out from there. Follow this pattern, says Romans. Be transformed. And we're going to spend some time this morning really working at what that be transformed says to us and what it means. So let's talk about be transformed. And, and the first thing that we need to get that maybe we don't get so much in English is, is that this is not a one-time event. There are different Greek verb tenses, and, and some of them say this happened once and it was done, and some of them are ongoing. This happens, and it's a process, and it keeps on happening. And the be transformed here is one of those ongoing things. It's not telling us, be transformed, kabamo, you're done. It's work at being transformed today and expect that tomorrow you will continue to be transformed and expect that next year you will be transformed and expect that next decade you will still be transformed. And as long as you are in this life, you are in this, you are in this movement of transformation. And then it's a passive verb. It does not say, transform yourselves. It says, be transformed. And the point is that the Lord has brought us, He has brought us from the depths of our sin, and He has brought us to the cross. And He has, yes, permanently changed our status before Him, and so we are always covered in His mercy, but then He is continuing to work in us. And piece by piece, the Lord is bringing us forward. He is working in us, and, and this is what's sometimes called a divine passive. The point is that God is the one who works in us. And so even as we try to live more and more of a Christian life, it's not really about what we do. It's always about what God does. But then this is a really tricky verb because along with being a passive verb, it's also a command. So we are commanded, we are told, be transformed. God is the primary actor, but we also have a part to play. Let yourselves be transformed and join in the work that God is doing in you. From the inside out, trust and expect that God will change everything about you and make it, make it better, make it more holy, make it right, make it perfect. This text tells us that God is at work transforming us, and, and as we join with Him, He is bringing us more and more in line with His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God intends to make you perfect. Nothing less than that. Absolutely, entirely perfect. And the Greek word there is, is much, much stronger than our English word. It is this sense of, of absolute pinnacle top of the line, 
perfection. That is what God intends to work in each one of us. And that is the vision we need to keep in front of us, to to live in the Christian life, that God, by His mercy, has, has brought us to a new place, and He is at work transforming us. There is a real danger that we reduce the Christian life to a set of rules. Thou must do such and such. Thou must not do this and that. And then you will finally be a true Christian. And that simply isn't how the Christian life works. And yes, there are rules and there are boundaries and there there is this, this shape of the Christian life that we need to live within and some of the commands give us that shape. But the real point is what is at the center. And at the center is not Jesus saying, thou must do such and such. At the center is Jesus saying, step into my life. Come and join with me and I will make you who you really, really at your heart of hearts want to be. Come and be transformed and live out of that well of grace. We never have enough. We never are enough. But in Jesus Christ, we receive enough and more. So I want to close this morning with two invitations. Two invitations. And I want you to begin by asking where you are, and I've I've laid out this guilt, grace, gratitude process a few times, but I want you to ask yourself, where are you? Where are you? Are you at a place where you are distant from God? Are you at a place where you feel like God is angry with you or God is demanding things you can't give or, or God simply isn't intervening in the troubles of your life? Is that where you are today? And if that's where you are, then I want to invite you to, to be honest about that, to be honest with, with the Lord about that. But I also want to invite you to, to sense the Spirit prompting you through this sermon to take a step toward God to understand, to receive the reality that God is at work in you and to enter into that place of grace and mercy. And maybe it's for the first time or maybe it's for the hundredth time that you need to, you need to take that step out of guilt and that step toward the Lord. That's my first invitation for you this morning. If you feel that you are distant from God, we'll hear this as a personal invitation and a prompt to you to, to take that step closer. God's mercy is for you this morning. And maybe, maybe you have been so blessed that you have never struggled in your whole life with, with questions of faith and whether God's mercy is for you. Or, or maybe you're so blessed that today that's not where you are and your question is more, well, what can I do? What do I do next? How do I live out this wonderful grace that I've been given? And if that's the case, then I invite you to reflect on what it would look like for you to turn around and to pass God's mercy on? What would it look like for you with how God has worked in you and how God has built you and how God has made you? What would it look like to take that next step of transformation? What is maybe something good in your life that you can give up for something better? What is some static or some noise that you can put to the side to be really tuned into God's word this year? Or maybe what can you do, not for yourself, but for others? Are there particular people in your life who you can be a gracious Christian presence for? Can you encourage some people to recognize the reality that that God's mercy is always more and so they should step into his mercy? 
Can you encourage some people to to step away from all the empty old things that are killing them bit by bit and instead step into a new life where there is hope, where there is mercy, and where there is peace? Can you live more and more into gratitude for the great grace of the Lord? Are you at a place where you need to hear and receive God's mercy? Do that this morning. Are you at a place where with the Holy Spirit you can take another step forward in your transformation? Well, do that this morning. And again, do all of this in view of God's mercy. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, He is our salvation. And let's pray. Father, we pray that you move all of us closer to you. And Lord, if the message that we need to hear stops with simply, therefore, God's mercy, then we ask that you overwhelm us with your mercy even this morning. Help us to understand that you have come to us, and in your grace and peace, you welcome us home today. And Lord, if we are further along in the process of faith, if, if we are at different stages, then we ask that you help all of us to, to let you work, to get out of your way and to receive your transformation and, and also to be active partners with you. Help us to see and to celebrate the ways that we can serve you. And Lord, help us to do that not as a burden or as a have to, but as a joy, as a response of, of grace and gratitude to you. We pray all this in your name, amen.